All right, guys, welcome back for another podcast. Uh, this week, we're having another Tuesdays with Caroline. Like that we that I keep calling it Tuesdays with Caroline, even I'm, though it's not Tuesday. I think no. you posted on Tuesday though. I did usually. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, nice. So like Ben it's, makes it work out. It's in definitely the end. not Thursday. I don't know what day it is. Yeah, Doesn't matter. It's safe Friday. No, today's no, Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Thursday. This will go up on a Tuesday though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Going up on a Tuesday. Yeah. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, we actually, uh, coming into next week though, um, kind of coming off of the last podcast we did, we were talking about, um, just touching base, of course, with Dr. Lauren, you know, just kind of like that growth process as a, um, you know, new graduate coming into a 24 hour clinic. I mean, it can be very intimidating. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's wonderful that we had, um, her, Christine and Rhiannon, um, you know, willing to try that out right out of school, yeah. you know, um, but again, it's kind of the, you know, it, it's a little bit of a different perspective for you. I mean, of course, you were working part time, mm -hmm. um, but then it's, you know, more so of here's kind of what you were feeling towards the beginning of the month when we had done the last recording. Um, and now that we're pretty much coming to the end of the one month on board, um, it's just kind of looking at that difference in how you feel, you know, not, yeah. you know, about the onboarding process and um, things of that regard, but has have you felt sort of like a substantial change or clarity or, you know, cause there's always new stuff to learn. So it's yeah. going to take time to learn it all. But do you kind of have that um, feeling that now kind of at least just being a month after the onboarding, if you feel different now uh, than you did then? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I think just the transition itself, I had a lot of feelings about like, the life change. Yeah, like, oh, I always wanted to be a large animal vet and I'm like giving up on my dream and whatever and I'm never going to play with cows again and I had to like mourn all of that yeah. um, and also realize that like there's no such thing as like permanently shutting a door. No, like, yeah. You know, I mean, Ev shockingly, like Evan, my fiance was like, you realize like you can always go back and do it again later if you want to. Like it's really not, no changes. Well, I guess there are some changes that are permanent, like right. death, but. Um, <laughs> that's, that is a hard one to <laughs> That's a hard one to from. undo. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah. I mean, just a job change, nothing is like permanent. Well, so, and it's not like cows are going anywhere either. Right, They're yeah. They're still going to be around for a while. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would hope I like beef yeah. um, <laughs> yes. and milk. Yeah. But. Yeah, so, like, not realizing that everything was so final and, like, having a chance to, like, get excited about jumping into this new, God, that Endeavor. sounds so lame, yeah. chapter of my life. Uh, <laughs> that's fine. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, as cheesy as it sounds, that is kind of, so, like, now it's, like, I'm getting excited for it. Like, nice, yeah. you know, I want to keep working on my skills and get better and mm -hmm. do all of those things. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the um, things that I really kind of adhere to, um, and I, I think I've talked about this before is that the education process, uh, primary school, you know, secondary school, college, that kind of stuff is it really honestly should only ever be teaching a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I think what we get really caught up with probably in a lot of different industries, but of course our experiences would dictate certainly within the veterinary industry is it's um, more of like cramming the information and I have to learn these facts. Yes. So it's that like process of, you, you can call it critical thinking because obviously there is a critical thinking component to it. It can be challenging to teach critical thinking, albeit maybe you can teach critical thinking, but the idea is it's that thought process. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when you have a lot of different things that are clouding your ability to get excited about something, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, and this and this and that and that and this and this and that and that, is it can then also impact your ability to learn. Yeah. You know, is that if you're thinking like, oh my God, there's so much information, it's so overwhelming, there's so much I have to try to cram in because that's what I've been doing for the last you know, four to eight years of my life, yeah. just cramming all this data in because I have to know it for the test. It's like, that's not a, a realistic mindset. Yeah. And I guess I didn't really have 
thankfully I didn't really have that mindset coming in. I think I tried to embrace the fact that I didn't know what I was doing every day. So I'm just like, I'm just going to show up and like, it's going to happen. See what happens. Yes. Yeah. Like, and realistically that works out pretty well. Surprisingly. And that's, and that's actually what we've talked about in past podcasts with, um, the quote unquote problem child category. So when you look at the star chart and you start talking about how we, you know, classify out different either behavior patterns or so on and so forth. Um, it's the low performance, high potential. That's a problem child, low performance, high potential. That's what all of your new hires are. Mm-hmm. That's what going into a new job is. That's what's going into school is. Yeah. You know, as you're going in with not the expectation that day one, you're going to have high performance, but it's like, you know what? I'm going to show up. Right. You know, I know I'm a pretty darn smart person, so I'm just going to get there and try to do my best. Um, and I, I think where we do run into uh, some problems is, um, the, uh, the curse of the hard worker, you know, where it's like, well, I work really hard and how dare you tell me I'm not a hard worker, you know? So it's whenever we kind of have these things where it's like, you know, it's the kind of this self perception of I'm so great and you know, I don't have anything I can learn. And I'm, you know, that's where, again, it's not, it's not saying coming into a new team at the bottom of some hierarchy and you're going to build your way up and act humble. And, you know, you, you do have things you need to learn. It has nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's just the expectation. Right. Where it's like, no, we have the expectation that you're probably gonna do pretty damn good. Like you're here, Yeah. you know, and more importantly than it's sort of the 50, 50 job of the mentor and the mentee. So it's, you know, as a mentor, it's like, all right, well, yeah, I can't put more work into your growth than you're going to put into right. your growth. But, I'm going to match it and you're going to match it. Yeah. So yeah, let's just show up and get the job done. Yeah. You know, uh, that, uh, the concept, I think that you're, that you're referring to of a hard worker is it's not that you can get away with not working hard. Yeah. (laughs) It's that, uh, it's the mindset because typically what you're referring to is, um, if somebody, um, pronounces that they're a hard worker, typically what they're actually playing into, um, is a victim role mm-hmm. because that, that's completely engaging the drama dynamic. Um, like, Hey, look at me yeah. type thing. Like yeah. it's an excuse. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, don't, yeah. How dare you try to correct me on my performance? The excuse is I'm a hard worker. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whereas in with the, what kind of what you're talking about with the education system, like, yes, it does take a, a lot of hard work to get through it basically. Um, But I think an interesting thing about um, kind of your guys' experience versus my educational experience is you learned a skill, you learned a trade. (laughs) Yeah. And I learned, because my degree is in marketing, I learned ideas. Yeah. Um, There wasn't, I mean, there was some stuff that was directly applicable, but like the number, like 20% of what I learned in college was, useful yeah there was a there was 80 percent of bullshit yes now the bullshit colored everything yes and in critical thinking i i have probably acquired more skills from that stuff like i learned how to read i I knew how to read but i learned how to read in college um yeah and and if it weren't for that if it weren't for all of the the things that i had to read in college i there's no way i'm here versus when you're talking about a reader because of college I I learned the value of gotcha. reading materials that were uh, relevant to my current position in life. Gotcha. Um, and and since then, I've probably outread in terms of like useful stuff a lot of my peers. Um, I don't read fiction content, yeah. but it's it's generally speaking because I like to read content applicable to where I'm at in life, which yeah. I'm always at work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, the interesting part about that is. Uh, I didn't learn a skill, but I learned the concept of critical thinking um, Uh mostly out of necessity, whereas what you're talking about and cramming information Mm -hmm. in, um, my brother's an attorney, same thing, Um, especially once you get into that post-graduate or post-undergraduate world, like that's typically what you're doing, um, at least outside of an MBA. Um, And I I think that it's what it does is... I don't know how much the undergraduate system positions people um, or how well they position people to understand once they get into post-undergraduate that they're not learning thinking skills anymore. You're learning specific materials. You're learning a trade. Or in a, like, trade schools do it well because it's in the name. 
like I'm going to go to learn how to be a carpenter. Right. There's no there's no mixed message yeah. in that. Right. Whereas right. typically your um your K through 12 um the way that I always thought about it is you're learning how to learn. Absolutely. Like you yeah, oh, yeah, you're probably yeah. going to forget most everything oh, yeah. that you learned, but yeah. you built the pathway of learning yeah. and then once you get into that postgraduate world, then it's like nope, you the pathway's built. We're not doing that anymore. Now we're going to we're going to really use that super highway and fill the shelves. Yes. And then hopefully you don't dump it all out. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah. does that I mean, I didn't go to vet school. Does that seem like an accurate depiction of what it actually is? I mean, yeah, actually, when you were talking about that, I was trying to think back about, I mean, it's hard to try and put yourself back in those shoes again, but I would concur. I would say that like coming out of vet school, you're so focused on like, these are the, these are the facts that I know. And do I know enough? That's kind of where you fall into that whole imposter syndrome, like Mm -hmm. loop is you don't realize that it doesn't matter whether or not you know it because you know where to find the answer if you don't know it. Yeah. And like, and I think that's part of what held me back from jumping into a job like this for so long is because I was like, I like the very first time we met and I think I said to you, it was something along the lines of like, I haven't done small animals since I graduated. It's been like two years and like I could never do I could never have a small animal position now because I'm a large animal vet or something like that. Mm. And Carlos just like challenge accepted. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I think your exact words were I can teach you. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, yeah, we do like get really hung up on trying to learn all of the facts and yeah. all of the skills and how do I place a catheter and how do I do this and how yeah. do I do that? And it's like, so is so then my question then is and I know it's been longer for you than it has been for Caroline but you're connected with it and mm. we understand yeah. the way that the curriculum works. Yeah. Is that a flaw of the postgraduate education system? Like are, or should it still be constructing the pathways of of just finding knowledge rather than the actual acquisition? Is it is it leaning too hard one way? So, yeah, that's actually a, a, a really, really good question. Um, a lot of it's kind of an outsider looking in, though. You For know. sure. Yeah. I'm not um, saying that we're going to have the perfect answer, <laughs> yeah. but, but I, really what my goal yeah. is in asking the question yeah. is, again, considering who it is that typically mm-hmm. listens, is this people yeah. that are yeah. in vet school, right? Yeah. So, like, just shift their mindset a little bit. Like, if, yeah. if they are, in fact, focused really, really hard on the acquisition mm-hmm. of yeah. information, yeah are they focused in the wrong place? Yes. Like what have you found in practice yep. that is actually a more effective way of using and yeah. accessing information? So I'm going to kind of uh, preach process a little bit here. Yep. So a- actually what that has birthed is, yes, I, I do think that fundamentally there is a flaw in the higher education system. And that's actually part of the reason why um, in working with Michigan State, developing the mentorship system, or at least the, the house mentorship system, at least being part of that process, um, you know, looking at all the work that the administration is doing currently and trying to convert that, trying to really group these body systems together. Let's teach it out in lumps so we're learning all at one time. And as that starts to bleed over into clinicals and seeing how all these things relate together is there is some change that's starting to happen and that's kind of for us at, at PAW, what we ended up doing. We created our own education system. You know, we said we have four tiers to it. It's like, all right, tier one, let's just get the basics out there. You know, tier two, yeah. let's see what we got going on in the next several months. And then tier three, let's actually just reevaluate every six months on what we have. Um, and just, I, I guess it's kind of like a little mini announcement. Um, uh, you know, Ben has suggested we... Uh, kind of revise the website. And now, of course, it's just like blowing up with all of these ideas that we have, but it's turning into a um, actually a full, um, basically, education tool. So the website itself is going to have an education portal where basically everything that is PAW Health, we're dumping into this free platform, user login, video content, uh, paper content, all that stuff. Um, but the idea is even now that we're making videos for our education portal, it's like, Let's just go day one. Yep. Let's let's just look and focus on those fundamentals. Yep. So when we start to talk about how is the education system, the changes that they are trying to make, and is that fundamentally flawed and or how is that preparing students, um, it really comes down to what, what we would interpret as being day one ready. Mm-hmm. 
So it's the, the definition then becomes, well, what is day one ready? Yep. So is day one ready mean you have a bunch of crammed facts right. or is day one ready? I have an appreciation of what the job actually entails and requires. Um, and this is a job that I can grow into. This is a profession and industry I can grow into. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it becomes very challenging because then you still have to have a metric by which people can be like graded. Mm-hmm. So if you yeah. have a process that then is kind of reverting the other way where it's like, well, we need you to learn all of this stuff because you have to take a test on it yeah. because that's how universities formulate mm-hmm. how well you're doing. And that is then going to lead into whether or not you're getting internships and residencies because we need the top of the tier, the top of the top to the top to the top to then become you know residents and specialists and such. Uh, so we need that metric. But on the other hand, we want to try to make more people ready for the industry that currently exists. Um, and that's where, like I said, for us, the answer is yes. I think that there is a fundamental flaw. There is definitely work. I, I mean, like I said, firsthand, I can talk about um, you know, the great things that Michigan State's doing mm-hmm. to kind of correct those problems, mm-hmm. um, you know, within the confines of a very structured system, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's very hard. Um, but then to come the other way into saying, well, now we're actually creating an entire separate platform mm-hmm. to be like, hey, hey, hey. Yeah, learn the stuff because you got to learn it for a test. But we're going to have a completely separate platform that mm-hmm. totally free. You're going to have to pay for it. Do it in your own time. Mm-hmm. Do it while you're in vet school. Do it once you graduate. Who cares? It's always going to be there for you. Um, but provides that opportunity to start to bridge that gap between the stuff we have to cram in because you got to get the test, mm-hmm. have to cram in because you have to pass the residency, but then really brings it down to those fundamentals on, okay. I actually have to go in this room and talk to a caregiver about gastrointestinal disease. Okay. I, as a veterinary nurse, I, how do I actually run an autoclave? How do I run out our Heskel lab equipment? How, you know, in some of those like really kind of fundamentals where it's like, oh, actually I can do that job, Mm -hmm. you know, but more importantly, it's sort of these ongoing resources. So, you know, to not completely skirt your question, you know, and like I said, I want to kind of preach our process a little bit, but that's kind of what it is we're trying to talk about being the force of change is it's like we have to take the perspective that as as really any industry but again as it applies to us as veterinary professionals there has to be a willingness to teach and there has to be a willingness to learn but not so much as how much can you cram but can you follow a process to Mm -hmm. get to the answer that you need Um, and that's where uh, that's like I said for what you've not just witnessed working here you know kind of Mm -hmm. part-time but now it's more so of like all right, now we're kind of jumping in full time. It's then saying, all right, are we starting, not maybe you're starting to see, but to see that change in mindset, you know, or at yeah. least the, um, the proof is in the pudding, you know, we're saying that we're, you know, we have actually kind of fulfilled some of those, those uh, things we've promised or we've said, you know, where it's just like, this is, it's not just smoke and mirrors. We really are talking about a development of thinking and a development of skill set. Yeah. Um, I would say yes. Like, I think I kind of like had already dipped my toe into the water because mm-hmm. we've talked about it in previous podcasts where I've taken things that I've learned from working at PAW and started to incorporate it. Even when I was doing large, large animal, animal yeah. like I was doing a lot more informed consent um, than I than I probably did previously. So just like talking over the options with, uh, producers, with producers yeah. and yeah, like trying to do more of the education side. And what's interesting is, so I agree with you about the higher education thing. I think it's a, I think you need both, which is crappy because then it's like, how much time do you want to spend in school trying to learn more things? Because I do think there is a base of knowledge that you need to know, like facts. Mm -hmm. But then beyond that, you do need to learn like how to think. And I think that some of the like residencies and internship stuff that come afterwards, they flip back again. Cause then you start talking about like journal club um, and like go, like knowing where to go and find more information about cases. So they do like go back to kind of focusing a little bit more on like how to further your knowledge and where yeah. to find things. But yes, because of standardized testing and the fact that you have to take the freaking boards exam when right, you graduate, right, right. that's where it starts to get a little hairy because how do you set the precedent or like where do you draw the line? And what's interesting, the thing that I was thinking is you can draw that line out even further into the profession. If you think about how veterinarians have morphed over time from your um, 
what's his name, James Harriet, like all creatures great and small, it was very much a trade. Yeah. Like literally yeah. come out, do the thing, and then leave again. Like IV the cow, give the dog a shot, whatever. Actually doing the medicine part that a lot of the technicians and you know veterinary nurses are doing now. Yep. And so over time, and I think large animal folk, or the reason I think about this is because this has become kind of an issue in, in large animal and in dairy medicine because the focus, so we talk about being a, being an arm, like you go out and you palpate cows and you don't need a higher education degree to do that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of veterinarians still make their money that way. And you can't argue that it's an excuse to get on the farm every week and to do a walkthrough and like that you're physically there so that you can consult with the producer. But to some extent, and this is where like it depends on who you talk to, some people are very adamant that like that is a veterinary, it's a diagnosis of pregnancy, it needs to be done by a veterinarian. Mm -hmm. They do not want tradespeople doing it. Mm -hmm. Other people are like, I don't care. My job is to use my brain right. and I'm going to use, I'm going to try to come up with basically more ways to sell my knowledge, the things that I can teach you, the ways that I can get you to improve your business and like your, the welfare for your animals and that kind of thing. So mm -hmm. like using that critical thinking and selling that instead of selling the trade aspect of it. Well, doesn't that mostly have to do with kind of the way in which you set up your practice? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Because you can do it either yeah. way, like legally, yeah. if I would understand it correctly. Like if you have um, certified technicians or nurses, they can do all of that stuff from a legal perspective. Yeah. There's probably yeah. some lines that yeah. I don't know specifically what they are, but that's more about what you essentially want to do, isn't it? Well, I, and I would that argue right. that PAW does try to, like we're, pushing that boundary and trying to toe that line because yeah. we do try to market our brains and our ability to communicate with the caregiver yeah. and to educate more so than me as a veterinarian. These are all the technical skills that I yeah. have. Like yep. there's still a lot of veterinary practices that like the vets do all the shots, the vets place all the yeah. catheters, the vets do all the yeah. whatever. And so that's again, focusing more on like, mm -hmm. these are the physical things that I can do, mm -hmm. but we yeah. should be capitalizing more on that critical thinking yeah. ability. Well, let's, I mean, let, let me take that one step further to kind of talk about what I didn't mention before was tier four of our education system. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tier ones, two and three are more of like, let's get you through this growth process. But tier four is, are we kind of focusing on individual advancement? Or are we talking about industry advancement? So that's how we spread out uh, tier four is, are we focusing locally? Are we focus on the bigger picture. It's not, we do that as it applies in the education system, but it's the same thing that you talk about with uh, the veterinarians that are arguing individual medicine. Mm -hmm. I need to be the one who goes to this individual cow and make the individual diagnosis versus the other side where it's like, well, actually we need to take a bigger herd health approach here because right. if we can make the you know the herd healthier then you know the producer you know has a better profit margin you know we're not called out at four o'clock in the morning right. for <laughs> you right. know this thing yeah um it's so more it's, efficient yes so that's where like you said there there are those fundamentals and this does kind of come back to our industry overview um and kind of these antiquated business practices mm -hmm. um is that i i think it, it to me, when I start, we say there's three ways, right? So there's tradition, there's corporate, and then there's paw is the thing that really makes me, you know, it, I have a hard time understanding tradition. I understand it's there. You know, my, my big thing is uh, I'm only so great because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Like mm -hmm. I really do respect those who have come before me, but it's like, there aren't a ton of large animal veterinarians to say, I need to be the veterinarian that's going to be doing the rectal palpation on this cow. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry, but you're going to retire one day. Right. You know, and if we don't, if we have veterinarians that as an industry are being taught more so on herd health, herd management, business practices, those types of things, um, you know, then we need to consider a different method by which we are obtaining mm -hmm. that individual based medicine. Yeah. Also in areas where it isn't happening and or where you have herdsmen. Right. Herdsmen are actually doing the job. Right. And it's like, well, we have so. Or blood testing. Like you can sure. do it off of blood and milk testing now. And some, I mean, and yeah, like I said, it's, it's like, what's the thing about stepping over a, a nickel to pick up a penny? Oh, that's, uh, that's uh, the whole like uh, thing yeah. is like, you're, you're trying to like hoard the like, Oh, well only we can do these things legally because yes. we need to be able to do them to make money. Yes. And so, mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And that's so, so then what ultimately ends up happening is, 
um, those businesses phase out. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, with time. So either you have associate veterinarians that were working there and they're like, this isn't actually kind of what I was thinking that this should be. Right. I'm not using my brain. Correct. Like, like why am I still putting yes. so much time and effort into this to just be a body? Yes. I want to use my, my mind Correct. more. Correct. Yes. And the, and the, like, the frustrating thing is like, sometimes you get this whole, like, well, you need to put in the time. You're the new grad, yes. so you need to earn their trust. Yes. So you earn their trust by like going out and doing the, the physical tasks. Right. And then when you're there, you're like, oh, by the way, I saw this and I had some thoughts about it. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts? And so yeah. you need to like. But, but the way, so that's, a f- I get, so what they're saying is yeah. the way that you're going to earn a trades person's because a farmer's a trade, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way yeah. you're going to earn a trade person's trust is by performing a trade that they respect. Yeah. That's what they're saying. Like you're yeah. going to build that relationship through showing your hard work. Right. Yes. And in what you have to do in this, and I think this is a part of that war of attrition that is always being fought and is most of the time silent is, um, the people that you're going to develop the best relationship with, with what you're hoping to do and using your mind and educating and, you know, broad, big, bigger solutions, mm-hmm. essentially, is you're going to have less clients because yeah. you're not going to earn the trust of the guy that is expecting you to palpate every right. cow that's and in his herd. And doesn't care about anything else. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. But, but, but the one that is, the ones that land are never going to get rid of you. Yeah. Because if they if they understand what you're trying to do from an education perspective, you're the only vet that they're ever going to trust ever again because you're looking at the whole picture. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, you'll probably have a fewer in grand total, but it's it's what we were talking about last time. It, you go from shallow and wide to narrow and deep. Yeah. You're still going to end up with the same general revenue structure yeah. at the end of the year. And yes, you have a technically from a business perspective, it's higher volatility because if you lose one, your yeah. your net loss is greater. But overall, the amount of work that you have to do in a narrow and deep is way, way less. And right. you also have to deal with just less bullshit, pun intended. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> nice. Correct. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I think the frustrating thing for me specifically, like this is no reflection on anyone else, but just the fact that one, I had changed jobs a few times. So I never was at a practice longer than two years. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's like, as soon as I was starting to earn that trust and like make the transition, well, my one job, we were just far too busy doing all these tradespeople work to actually yeah. get into the like yeah. using your brain aspect. Yeah. Um, but it just like, it's like starting over from day one, every new job, it's like, you got to re-earn the trust again and coming out of school, the, the focus, at least like in dairy medicine, especially the focus in school is like the big picture, yeah. the herd walkthroughs, like looking for problems, doing the consultations, trying to come up with protocols. Like that's what they're trying to teach you is like how to use your brain. And then you graduate and it's nothing like that. Hmm. So I think my expectations for where I was going to be at this point in my life Mm -hmm. were different than how they were. And I was just like, well, there would be concessions on geography. So, so to say, um, you know, I, I was really, you know, I was taught that I was really going to use my brain, that I was really going to you know, get this. And it's like, well, if you're comfortable going to a large scale operation and you're there for your brain, well, you can find that. But it's like, are you going to find that in like rural Minnesota, right. rural Wisconsin, you know, rural Michigan? It's mm-hmm. like it exists kind of, but yeah. not like Montana, Cali, you know, where you have some of these much larger, you know, beef operations or, yeah. you know, dairy operations or, you know, whatever it is. Um, so that's where, like I said, there's geographic concessions and, yeah. it, and it has to be like, am I willing to sort of make that jump? Um, but I think part of actually where your passion um, had come from was actually trying to have that type of a mindset and operation in the small scale to help the small time farmer yeah. and to help these small families. So that's then where, you know, and, and that, that, that's something that I like conceptually as well. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm anti-imperialistic. I really don't like the idea of large corporations. I like the idea of money staying local, you know, I like the idea of, you know, growing the family, growing the household stability, that kind of thing. Um, but then it's a matter of do these individuals, these individuals that I am passionate about helping, uh, these small time producers, are we are are they 
do they really understand the game that they're playing? You know, and, and this is um, uh, Simon Sinek, right? Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, yep. so the uh, infinite game, mm -hmm. you know? So it's the idea of like, you know, do they really know where their business is going? Do they really know the industry changes that are happening? Do they really know what's happening on the West Coast? Do they really right. know? And is it, you know, are they just so like, you know, small town Wisconsin where it's like, well, I've actually never been out of this zip code my entire life. And it's like, okay, this may actually be someone who have a hard time making a connection with, but if you break that seal and you can have that connection be like, mm -hmm. listen, I actually want to use my brain because the more I can do that, the more I can help your bottom line. Let's just find someone who can run all these palpations for me. Right. You know, let's not do that anymore. Let's not me be the arm. You yeah. know, is that something you are comfortable with? And mm -hmm. that's where, um, you know, for us, of course, we're using a large animal example. Um, you know, but for us as a business, you know, we were nights and weekends, Yeah. you know, so for us, we had a business that was operating nights and weekends. Well, you know, to then have some financial stability with that and being like, all right, well, let's just like get some people to see if we can do this other thing, Yeah. you know, and having that very, it's like, well, it, it, so it all comes back to this idea of growth mindset. So again, we're, we're trying to, you know, at least talk about when we're coming out of vet school and where are we going and where we thought we were going to be and, mm -hmm. you know, way of thinking and way of process. Mm -hmm. um, we're just, you know, giving different examples of saying like, well, if you're in an environment where you can learn, but more importantly, if you yourself have a growth mindset, it's the same, like you said, like, like you said, Evan had said, well, you can always go back. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of the same thing when you look at these businesses. And that's why, you know, over the years where you had been kind of like, you know, my manager said this or office, uh, you know, uh, what was the one with the ultrasound? Um, if, oh. you, if you can prove to me how many ultrasounds you're going to do in a year, then oh, I'll get yeah. you an ultrasound. Right. Versus, how are you going to pay for it? How many people are you going to do right. in a year? And right. how, how, yeah, like, right. uh, don't you like, isn't this your job? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Or just get it. Or just buy it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's actually then, you know, been, uh, sort of my mindset is, um, and actually, I mean, we can talk about the advanced assessment and uh, my flight risk, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, but a part of it is I'm willing to walk away from an idea at any point in time. And it's that idea where I'm, I'm committed to the idea of being the force of change. That's the big picture. So it's like, we're running nights and weekends. Let's see what happens if we break out into like 24 hours. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see what happens if, you know, these people who at 2 a.m. don't have any wellness, like maybe we'll just do some, yeah. you know, and it's like, well, if it doesn't work, fuck it, I'll just throw all the vaccines away. I don't give a shit, you know, but it's more <laughs> of like, you know, it's truthfully, but it's like you go into it with the idea right. of helping people. You go into it with the idea of the betterment of the industry, yeah. with the betterment yeah. of patient care. Well, and that's that was where I was hoping you were going yeah. to go because yeah. here, here's the, I, I think where we're kind of leaning towards is what what is essential for day one ready? Day one in ready. Ours, in our perspective, right? Yes. Um, for me, and I'll let you guys kind of run with this, is I'm gonna I'm gonna throw two ideas out there, and you've already alluded to one is. One is the concept of the infinite game. Have, are you familiar with that at all? Only I know we, we did a podcast on about it. it. Yeah. yeah. So basically, what you, the example you just cited about trying and then uh, for essentially the, the process, right? Yeah. Um, and and it's basically the fundamentals of an infinite game is it's not about beating your competition. It's simply about outlasting them by playing the game longer than them. Yeah. So doing everything that you can to make the game better um, while what your competition is trying to do is beat you. Gotcha. So the example that he uses primarily is Microsoft versus Apple. And our, there's there's a lecture that he does. It's, it's probably the example that it's, he uses it's every time. It's the best example. Is he's, he, he did talks at both um, Microsoft and Apple. And um, in the their, one of their town cars or whatever, taking him to the event um, at both. At the Microsoft one, he had an iPod in his pocket. Uh -huh. And at the Apple one, he had a Zune in his pocket when those were still around. And when um, he was in the car with the Apple executive, it was, hey, check this thing out. It's great in all these ways. It's way better than an iPod. And the Apple guy was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then the, the, the Microsoft guy grabs the iPod and was like, how, how, how can we beat it? Like, cause and he said the exact same thing. It's way better than your Zune. And he was so 
um, focused on just beating the competition. Right. What's not in existence anymore. Right. The Zune. Um, so it's 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 a matter of setting your mindset and your systems simply to just perpetuate and improve a little bit every day. Yeah. And that goes to the second concept um, is so. Um, Every day that you live, um, you step one, uh, you, you, you take a little bit of chaos and you turn it into order. Like that's the way that your world that's grows. That's how it works. That's exactly how it works. No, Just like, one little but piece. Like, but, like, but, <laughs> but like science says that's actually not, like entropy is, it just happens. Well, right. We, we live in an entropic <laughs> universe. I understand that. Okay. I love physics. I just had to make but, 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 and I'm not saying that unmanaged that your life won't turn into entropy because it absolutely will. The book will fall <laughs> off the shelf given enough time. However, um, the reason that, or the, so basically every day that you step forward is, so I'm going to say, I'm going to get a little bit better every 1% day. 1% better. I'm going to get 1% yeah. better. But what, what you're doing, you're just saying, I'm going to try one thing. I'm going to see where I'm at. And then we're going to go from there. And if I, if the vet, if the wellness thing doesn't work, so be it. Right. I now know that that's not going to work and now I'm 1% better and your brain is actually set up for it. And I don't remember which one is the creative side. I apologize. But basically what it does is it funnels the thought from the creative side of the brain, which really likes the chaos and it likes putting the art together. And then it funnels it into the system side, which I believe it goes left to right. Um, and they've actually kind of proven like the way in which you, that's why sleep is so important because it goes into the file system and now it's not chaos anymore. Like your brain is able to synthesizing information while you sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, like, but that's a way of thinking. And that's why I kind of started there is like when you're in undergraduate or, you know, pre uh, pre college education, you're learning how to transfer information into these sorting systems or going out and finding information because you're in a chaos setting and you just don't know what to do, but you got to get enough structure to be dangerous so that the next time that it happens, you don't have, you're not as stressed out. It's not as crazy. It's not as chaotic. Um, so it's, to me, the skill set isn't necessarily about having a really full storage system. It's about having the channel to turn chaos into order in as abbreviated, abbreviated a fashion as possible. And if your mindset is infinite, it's way less stressful. Absolutely. Don't worry about beating the person that's next to you. Just know that you're going to keep filling the system. Right. And over time, you're going to be, it's, it's just going to fill. Correct. And then and you'll just be in a better place. You yeah. just, it's, it's patience, it's trust, and just believing in yourself because you've already gone through the test of knowing that you're good enough to do it. Because that's what we said. If you make it into you vet school, yeah. you have the processing functionality to succeed. Like your yes. brain is good enough. Now know where it is that you want to go in just one little bit every single day. To me, yep. that's what day one ready is. Yep. So I'm going to shut up now. Yeah. I'm going to let you guys take over. But those are the two things that really stick out to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it, yeah, I mean, admittedly so. I, 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 can't, I can't agree more. Um, and part of that day one ready, you know, I think for me is part of how I try my best to catch it when – like when you talk or some of the other doc doctors talk is um, trying not to compare because as soon as we start to compare ourselves to other people um, and actually we had the, uh, we had that question posed. Um, yeah. That that's we, what we yeah. talked about last yeah, time. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Trying not to compare ourselves to one another, but this just kind of builds upon that idea mm -hmm. is it's okay. You know, like a cliche, Oh, you're over, you're only ever, uh, you know, in a race with yourself and mm -hmm. you're only ever, you know, those types of things, which I mean, they're cliches that do work, right? but it's that same idea. Like it's that infinite mindset, mm -hmm. you know, and being like, all right, I'm just going to go out there and try. I'm just going to try to do better, try to learn, try to figure out why. And so part of then when you have that infinite mindset, I, I often refer to as the curse of the problem solver. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's taking nights and weeks in practice and being like, well, I'm make this 24 hours. Well, I tried this and it didn't work, but it's more of like, oh, why didn't it work? <laughs> And then it's like, okay, all right, all right, all right. I know it'll work. It'll absolutely work. That little part didn't work. So we're just going to figure out why that didn't work. And then it's, we're going to do the next layer down. So we actually have a meeting with the um, Veterinary uh, Business Management Association. Is oh, that right? God, there we go. VLMA. Okay. Yeah. God, those goddamn acronyms. VBMA. Um, yeah, VBMA. Uh, we got a, a lecture here this next week uh, with some of the, the folks uh, through the house system uh, down at Michigan State is that uh, actually talking about strategic planning yep. 
And strategic planning is, at least in, in, in my perspective and in part of what Ben had taught me, was actually being accountable to the task to the point that you weren't emotional about it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, oh, I had these 15 things I needed to do in the last two weeks and I got four done. I'm terrible because there's 11 that didn't get done. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all right, wait a minute. Well, why didn't those 11 get done? Well, I don't know. I just, I can do it. Just give me another two weeks to get this done. Uh, that's not actually the question that I asked. <laughs> the question I asked was, yeah. why didn't these 11 things get done? Yep. Oh, well, I don't know. I just had a hard time prioritizing. And Okay, so now we're talking about developing an issues list on the individual on why we are procrastinating. That was actually the meme that I shared the other day where you're like, I feel like I'm attacked. <laughs> where it's like, um, yes. it was. Uh, uh, it, it took me 15 minutes to complete a task. That I waited been six months to do. Yeah, yes. that it took me six months to do and I've learned nothing. Yes, you know, because I've got to keep doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like I feel attacked. So it's like, so that's where it, so for me then, the, the, like I said, the curse of the problem solver is it's like, all right, all right, but legit why? Like legit why did you wait six months to do it? And it's like, were you just not enthusiastic about it? Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, there's any ways you can procrastinate stuff off. So again, coming back to this idea of being sort of day one ready, um, you know, but also playing into what that means for your future career. Day one ready doesn't mean I'm day one ready for the job I'm going to have for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, day one ready is about having a skill set, a way of thinking, but more importantly, sort of playing that infinite game mm-hmm. into being like, all right, well, I'm just going to try this and see if it works. And if it does, I'm going to figure out why it doesn't work. And I don't really care if there's other people that are doing it better than I am, because this is what I'm doing right now to make this one part better. Yeah. Um, and actually, uh, Lauren, um, that was, uh, you know, uh, like I, said, I had said this before, you know, a couple of weeks ago, she, uh, she was just like, oh, you know, you're just so good at this. You don't really make any mistakes. I'm like, yeah, because I was really, really eager to forgive myself you know, years ago when I did make those mistakes. So it's like, it's just, it's just a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better. Yeah. Um, and that's where, like I said, uh, you know, coming into sort of that concept and that mindset of being day one ready. That's what it sort of means to me is focusing more on individual growth, having a growth mindset, really uh, leaning into collaboration, really using your resources, using your education resources, your accountability resources. And that's why we said the website, of course, our education portal is a resource, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, really using those to just keep you moving forward. Um, and you know, when you do have, uh, an undesired outcome, it's just why, why did we have an undesired outcome? If there's 15 different reasons why figure it out, if you can't figure it out, use a resource, yeah. you know, well, and like, I, just so it's maybe a little bit more of a, a like a step-by-step thought. Um, and I know you were, have it, had Carol, you've been here, you know, part-time or whatever, but, um, for Lauren and Christine and Rhiannon too, uh, I think, I think one of the things that's is potentially turning day one ready into a cliche is yeah it from an education system perspective i get it like doing everything that they can to create functional and effective you know practitioners but the other side is as a practice owner what is the standard like what do you expect out of like what is day one ready what what was the standard that was set for caroline what was your understanding of what day Mm. one ready here was too I mean, we, I told, I was just very clear about it with Riolo. I said, train me as if I have never worked here before. Yep. Cause anything that like, if I had learned any bad habits along the way or anything, like this is the time to correct them. Mm -hmm. And so I was very clear about like, that's how I want training to go. And then we did have a conversation too, about like, what are my expectations as far as mentorship goes? Mm -hmm. I really wanted to focus on surgery because I haven't had a lot of opportunity to do that. I mean, I do it a ton of time. Yeah. Yeah, Like I've done a lot of large animal surgeries, but small animal wise. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that is a more technical skill. It's not, I mean, you can look it up in a book, but as far as like, where do you put your hands? How do you handle the suture? How do you handle Mm -hmm. like tissue? that gets to be a little bit more, you need to kind of do it. Yeah. Um, and so just being very clear and having communication between both parties. And I know you and Katie talked about that quite a bit. Yeah. And your mentorship thing is like, just, set just talk standard. about it. Yeah. 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 Which just is so. totally open, you know, for, you know, change at any point in time. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess as far as, you know, as an employer, what you would have the expectation of a new hire, you know, someone 10 years in the field, five years in the field, five minutes in the field. Um, 
again, sort of comes back to what is the strength of our education system. So, you know, for us, it's that tier one coming into tier two. So tier two is a little bit different from our nurses to our veterinarians to new graduate vets. But the idea is, is there is a period of time where you just got to show up like that. That's the expectation for me of being day one ready, because part of it is actually feeling the person out like you have like you can interview well, you know, you can, uh, you know, have good book smarts, you can have the grades, you can have whatever it is. Um, But, you know, what do we always say? Day one ready for me is is it's the mindset of, again, like we had the the infinite game. It's the growth mindset. It's I'm going to get better a little bit each day. and when, when we sort of look at that and, and try to, uh, you know, put that into a growth plan that's going to go over six months or, you know, whatever it is, again, it's going to be kind of individual specific and in how long they've been in the industry. Um, but for us, it's almost all culture and core values. Mm-hmm. It's almost all culture and core values. So day one ready. And that's why, again, with the um, uh, house mentorship system through Michigan State is we're actually, it, we're really kind of infusing in the culture and core values into their house manual, which we hopefully get done this summer. But uh, into that, into that house manual is like, culture and core values it's the people management it's the interpersonnel it's you know when we're on the floor and it's like if i'm talking to you on the floor and i'm like oh actually you put that stitch in wrong let me do it let me let me let's redo that stitch over or um you need to use this dose not that dose well i don't i i don't want to have to like take you into a closed room like a broom closet and be like hey i need you because you know i don't want to embarrass you in front of everyone else like because i know you're going to get embarrassed it's like no, like we're all here to learn. We're all here to grow. And I actually want to pause you right there because what you didn't just say was anything about what's on our skills rubric ex- outside of the culture and core values. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. Because, and I, and I know we a part. a skills rubric? We do. Yeah. It exists. It's, it definitely exists. It's, it's very it's long. very long for but each it's, position. But it's intentionally long because it's, it's really, a, it's, it's turning itself into a self-assessment tool. Like yeah. where do I see myself as being deficient in, in specific areas. Gotcha. So like just trying to detail it out with a minor summary of what the item is so you can just really understand your own position. But can, again, the if, de- walking into day one of the job, it really isn't all that much about knowing where to put your hands. No. It's where to put your head. Yes. Just if your head's in the right place yep. and you can... Even, not even that you know how to talk the right way. No. Because most of, I mean, yeah. early practitioners, I do. that's, that, yeah. that's what, what Lauren and Christina both said. Like, I just learned how to talk to people for yeah. the first month. Yeah. It, it, like, it really has, it's all just about being in the right headspace. Because yeah. if you can set yourself up for that process of, of playing that infinite game and yep. just building the mechanism of how am I learning in this setting, yep. everything else comes in behind it. Yeah. And you're already working with a really, really stacked deck of like knowledge. Like yeah. you have a ton. You might not believe it, yep. but you just filled your brain full of information and that's more than enough to yep. be dangerous in, the, in, in a clinical setting. Yeah, so if you, you've already got it, now just get your head right and, and from there, I think the rest kind of falls into place, especially if you are able to set up from a mentorship perspective, like the right relationship um, yeah. with the right, because you're going to have to learn. Um, and if your head's in the right place and you have the right person, I, what else, yeah. what else do you want? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the thing. We said it before. You come in as a problem child. You come in as right. low, low performance, high potential. Yeah. yeah. So it's you just you know, and they go through the rest of the star chart and so on and so forth. But, um, yeah, it's just, well, that's another thing too. Like conceptually, I think that's one thing that probably a lot of people struggle with right away because their head's in the wrong place. It's like, man, my performance kind of sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is hard to do. I don't like being a low performer. I've been a top 10 percenter my whole life and now I can't produce shit. Yeah. And I have a corporation that's breathing numbers right. down my neck right away yeah. as I'm doing free exams half the time. Right. But we're not going to get <laughs> yeah, into that today. Coupons on the yellow pages. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, does that, was well, that what you had, Carol? Yeah. My note that I wrote down was short-sighted. Yeah. And it goes into the infinite game thing. Yeah. And I think, I think for me, the last, what, six years, five years, five, six years, whatever, has been of like mental evolution, like graduating for sure. Graduating for me 
was very short-sighted. It was like, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? What's, yeah. you know, like, it's like, okay, I need to get into vet school. Okay, once I'm in yeah. vet school, I need to pass first year. Okay, now I need to pass second year. Okay, now I need to pass, you know, get into clinics. Now I yep. need to pass boards. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like getting into practice was just the next thing on the list of things to do. Mm-hmm. And so having that more mindset of like the infinite game mm-hmm. and like, my goal is to go out. And so we talked a lot about the millennial life crisis and the fact that it's (laughs) taken me the past five years to figure out that like, it's okay to not have a next thing on the to-do list. It's okay to just like jump off the cliff and see what happens. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Steve Harvey talks about that. The parachute, if you ever hear, hear him talk about it to his audience before the show or whatever, but yeah, he has kind of a thing on that too. He's like, you're just going to jump off the damn cliff. Yeah. He's like, just do it. Right. He's like, your parachute might not inflate. He's like, you might hit every damn rock on the way down. Right. But like, and knowing the statistics yes. for the safety and knowing <laughs> yeah. like that you, it, yeah. all that stuff doesn't make a damn yeah. bit of difference once you leap. So at some yeah. point you, you, you just, just have, have to, to do, do it. it. Yeah. And it's, yeah. And there's a lot of different ways you can say, you know, uh, you know, you're never going to catch a fish if you don't put your worm in the water. Oh, I mean, well. you know, yeah. Right. So there's, I mean, there's all these different things that you have to jump and you have to do it. Um, but also being okay with the results. I think, I think that's the, the big one. Um, and that's actually, I think one of the hugest barriers, well, there's a lot of different barriers in our industry, but one of those is like, are just unyielding and undying desire to maintain tradition at all times, you know? And that's where I think, again, when you have these business owners or, you know, businesses themselves that, you know, well, it's been open for 40 years and this is the way we've always done it. And this is the way we're always going to do it. So this is sort of prepping, you know, our younger professionals that are coming out of veterinary, veterinary nursing school um, is coming into the industry where it's like, all right, you know, go in with an open mindset. You want to grow, you want to learn, you want to better yourself, get better each day. And it's like, oh, but now you actually work in a clinic that's stuck 25 years ago, they aren't growing, they aren't improving, they aren't getting better. Well, now what am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Or, and or are there barriers to your growth beyond just tradition? Mm-hmm. Is the barrier like the big promises, right? So mm-hmm. every veterinary owner just wants to get vets for whatever, like, yes, I, we'll do that here. Yes, no problem. Yeah, come on over here. We'll get you all the stuff, anything you want. We got that for you. Sure, you can buy into our practice. We're looking for people who can buy into our practice. One day I might sell it to you. You know, so there's all these kind of hooks on getting people into the practice, but the barrier is, well, they actually sort of like their income from the little bit of profit that the clinic squeezes out, uh-huh. you know, and is a barrier to your growth. Well, we've used this, you know, same, you know, killed vaccine for the last 30 years. Why would we even want to go recombinant technology, you know? And it's like, well, if we're, yeah, <laughs> it's better, you know? So it's, it, that's what we talk about barriers to growth, you know, and, and that's where you try if you are in this. Um, and that's where I think we talk about strategic planning. We talk about having a growth mindset. Part of that collaborative process is actually identifying barriers yeah. and it's not being a victim to those barriers. So you talked about before in past yeah. practices, there's only so much change that I have yeah. quote unquote the power to do. Not that I'm not that I'm the victim and it's not that I'm powerless. Yeah. It's just that given the rules of mm-hmm. this particular game in this particular location, there's actually some stuff I'm not going to be able to change, yeah. you but that doesn't make a new game. You got to make a new game. Yeah. It doesn't impede my ability to actually improve myself. That's why I talk about geographic restrictions. Yeah. It just, it's right here yeah. is a problem. And that's where for us, you start to fall into these traps where it's like, well, my dream was when I got out of veterinary school, I was going to go back short sighted, short sighted. Mm-hmm. I'm going back to the clinic that I was at and that I, you know, I was there when I was in high school and it was mm-hmm. always my dream to work at this place and this yeah. clinic and that's what I'm going to do. And then you just sack about 15 years into it and then the things are unfulfilled. You're not an owner yet. You haven't profit shared. You're under the thumb of an owner. Yeah. Uh, that to me is, is detrimental in tradition just as much as it's detrimental in corporate mm-hmm. where now you have a different set of rules. You have a different set of barriers that are going to cap your growth. No, 
come work for our corporation. We're growth and, you know, you can work up the food chain and, you know, you can have this and you can be this director and you, you can have a lot of fulfillment and your nights and weekends and all these things. And it's like, but again, there is a barrier. You're, yeah. you're only going to be able to get so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's okay. You may be very comfortable with that type of lifestyle, mm-hmm. but it's a matter of, is it going against your grain? Is it going against who you are and who, who is up here? Not so much of why I always thought myself was going to have this job, but are you fulfilled? Yeah. And that's why a huge part of our uh, star chart, a huge part of our growth system is actually talking about fulfillment. And now we shove down the throat on fulfillment of serve the patient, educate the caregiver. If you do those two things, you're going to be able to revolutionize the industry and just focusing every process on serving the patient and every process on educating the caregiver, everything else falls into place. Mm -hmm. So if we take that mindset and being like, well, as I start to plan my life, as I start to problem solve and critical think and infinite game and day one ready and culture and core values, and we just boil it down to these two very basic fundamentals on where is it that I'm going and how am I going to seek fulfillment, it doesn't really matter what you do. Because that's what you're moving towards. We're moving towards fulfillment. That's the goal that's written in stone is I want to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Every other plan written in sand after that doesn't matter. One thing, too, to kind of go along with that is um, the concept of disagreeability. Um, you are, you have the capacity to be, be a very disagreeable person. So they're talking about me specifically. Yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, Katie, Katie also does like that you can approach them with a problem or like a, like a counterpoint. No, or... like they as individuals aren't afraid to disagree with you. Oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Okay. So like the different, the, the way that you test wisdom of tradition is by disagreeing with it and mm-hmm. test and actually testing it rather than just believing it. Um, so, uh, but disagreeability, uh, um, on the, uh, in the, in the, uh, spectrum of high to low, um, males are uh, on the high end are, it's like all males, like yeah. the high end of disagreeability is all males. Well, 80% of the, our industry is female. Um, so that's actually something that those that are listening or watching this, I would recommend looking into is the concept of disagreeability because, like every person that comes through the, our assessment at this point has a high altruism. They're, yeah. they're agreeable. Yeah. And there's value in being agreeable. If you can play into a system that's highly functioning and really just seek to fulfill your piece in it, you can be highly successful. And I think that's kind of what you were referring to in that corporate structure yeah. and, and, and playing the game yeah. because it fits who you are. Yeah. But if you're if, if you're basically disagreeing with yourself, but yeah. you're not bringing it up to somebody else, that's kind of a trait that you can you can f- push a little bit more into the disagreeable side if you understand how to do it well, and you can test the water uh, that you're actually in or outside of it too. Um, that was kind of you know like where the conversations between the two of you kind of were yeah. with where you were at before. It's like well, just just tested the ultrasound thing yeah like being disagreeable in that setting is like isn't that your job right like that's what being disagreeable is yeah. not not just being like well you're right i should test i i should do the whole business yeah. plan thing because it's the right thing to do it's like well you can do both you can serve the patient you can you can focus on educating the caregiver and, and you can you can be a part of a system but also you kind of have to stick up for yourself yeah, uh, yeah. so so just to yourself in some circumstances yeah. Right. yeah mm-hmm. well and i've always been <laughs> like thinking back i've always been the loud kid i've always been the kid who's like i have a question and it's yep. like just endlessly why but why but why did you yep. do it that way but why to the point where i remember i can't remember if it was you or annie but i did a like um oh my god a review process yeah. with one of the two of you and i remember talking about you when i was yeah. working part-time couldn't put me with certain doctors because you were concerned that me constantly asking why would make them feel, um, uh, less, yeah, like, 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 like less confident. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not asking why, because I'm questioning why you're right. doing it. Like, I'm not saying don't do it that way. I just want to know why, yeah. like for my own knowledge. And yeah. so I just, I think my, luckily for me, my desire to know the answer outweighs my, 
what did you like call hesitation it? Agreeability. Yeah. 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 Like I need to know the answer. So I'm going mm-hmm. to keep asking you, even though it might be uncomfortable. Like, why mm-hmm. do you do it this way? Why yeah. do you do it this way? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I would, I like, I think you have a point with the whole female dynamic and it is definitely an issue where I don't know what the answer is. I think th- I was reading about this concept um, in a book that I've been reading lately about human giver syndrome And basically there's human givers and human beings. And they talk about how like you are endless, like as a human giver, you're like endlessly making your like life and your decisions and everything you do about the human beings around you. Cause the human beings job is just to be Mm -hmm. and to do whatever fulfills them. But as a human giver, your whole job is to support the human beings. And so I would encourage everybody to be more of a human being and just be, what oh, did you say yeah, in our yeah, last yeah. podcast? Fuck them. Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. like it's, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's okay to be selfish sometimes. Yeah. It really is. I don't even yeah. know if it, you can call it selfish, though. Like, I mean. There are people who would. Yeah. No, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't consider that to be selfish at all. But when you go, when you talk about self, nice, talk about selfish and selfless, right. you know, that's your givers and your beings. But it, it's that, it's that same idea. Like, it, yeah. I yeah. mean, there, there are times when it's okay to make decisions for yourself. And if making decisions for yourself means you have to quit a job you really thought that you wanted or you had to change a direction in the profession because you really thought that was the direction that you were going, but it just going in that direction or working that job goes against your grain. Yeah. yeah fuck them. Like, right, yeah. Because yeah. in order for you to be 1% better, yeah. you at some point need to prioritize yourself. Yeah. 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 And you know, and that's, you know, I think I've talked about this a lot in podcast, how, you know, for me it's, I went from, you know, my uh, fixing myself to fixing the exam room, to fixing the clinic, to fixing the community, to fixing the industry. Like as you start, if you, all you are is stuck mindset wise and you like in not even necessarily fixing the exam room, if you can't mentally get past the barriers in your own brain to be like, no, actually I want to fix myself. Mm -hmm. I want to make myself better. That's the infectious part. That's what is magnetic. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you do start to take this stand that, no, I'm actually, I want to grow as a person and I want to make myself better. Everyone's like, well, what, um, can, can I come too? Mm-hmm. Like, can we, can we actually do this together? And then it's, you know, two becomes four and 16 and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But that's where, again, when I start to talk about again, day one ready and core values and, you know, all these types of things is that's the idea is that it is a very infectious concept yeah. to actually be selfish in a, a respectable and you know, an admirable way. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because actually I've found that with myself as I found the confidence to be like selfish and focus on my own personal growth. I now have the mind space to be like, like when, so I've kind of made it a little bit of my own personal like mission with technicians because veterinary nurses get shat on all the effing time in every, I mean, not here obviously, but like every practice I've ever worked in, it's like, they're taken for granted. Yeah. We have vet techs week where we bring them goodies, but like other than that. And so I have found where now I'm like, wait, hang on. Like you do realize that in doing this, you're just stepping all over them. And so like the more that I'm able to kind of like ground out like my this is my space and my own I'm like that person over there looks like they're being held back and someone should do something about that because that's bullshit yeah Yeah. so it it just it gives you the confidence then to look out for other people and try and also like you said take them along with you and like hey she's growing and moving and doing things why can't I do that yeah and they'll want to come with you yeah I mean that that is the story of what paw health is it's digging our heels in, standing up and saying, no, we actually are going to be the force of change and failure is not an option. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, it's not an option. No, no, we're going to do this and it's going to work. And it's like, well, I mean, can I come too? Yeah, Yeah. more the merrier. And then it's like, how did we, how did we go from 20 to 50 employees in, you know, 18 months, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and it's like, huh, you know, and that's just, that's just, you know, an example of growing the bubble, growing your sphere of influence. And we've talked about that before with not being the victim, you know, and understanding like you have to, uh, you know, day one ready, this kind of stuff. And I will wrap it up here in a minute. But the, uh, the, you know, the big thing is just what can you actually affect? 
affect around you, um, and that's affect, um, is, you know, what, what can <laughs> you affect. affect around you, um, and how can you make that positive impact? And that's mm -hmm. actually where our video series starts out. It's make an impact series. Mm -hmm. So how can you impact those around you? Um, and like you said, it may just be, hey, that person over there is being held back, and it's like, oh, are they? Thanks for pointing the finger. I right. got that. I got that. We're not yeah. saying that to help those around you that you have to be a rescuer. Right. It's more of like, no, actually, I want um, I, I want to help this person be yeah. a creator. I want to actually um, help be part of the leadership and mentorship team in any way that you guys ask me to. You might not ask me to, but at least I feel better that I said something yeah. and that you're actually listening that I said it. Right. But it's it's having the ability to stand up and look around you. Yes. Because if your head is constantly being shoved down into the mud, you don't yep. even have the ability no. to look around around yeah. and see who else around that's you is suffering. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's why we put so much time into understanding that drama dynamic. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Like, yeah. is a persecutor putting your head in the right. mud, right? Yeah. Or if you're trying to help somebody, are you unintentionally rescuing them? Right. Are yeah. you over, are, are you inappropriately using the concept of trust so that you can be the victim when somebody fucks up? Yeah. 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 There's so many things, like, un yeah. and that's why, like, it depends on the person and understanding that concept, but really like the more that they, you can understand the difference between being a creator and being a victim because, or being a, a rescuer and coach is one that's probably the hardest one to yeah. balance. Yeah. Um, it, it, the, the better off you are. And, and sometimes you got to focus on your role in the moment and how you're exchanging with people and you're communicating. Sometimes you got to focus on yourself and like, where is my head at? Mm -hmm. Like, am I in a failure mindset? Am I in a growth mindset? And if when, and, um, when good things happen, how am I engaging that? Right? Like, how am I encouraging the, the, the positives that happen? And when sh shit happens, how am I engaging that problem to actually solve it? rather than just perpetuate the, the, the issue. And that's, again, that's another big thing about headspace. Yeah. And the more that, the more that somebody can be ready to collaborate in, collaborate in a productive way, the more day one ready, in fact, they are. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I think that rounds it out. I think so. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Seeing you guys thought when we started this thing, we weren't going to have anything to talk about. I said nothing. I said just start talking. That's <laughs> your story. Ben always hits me with like, dude, you got to give me an idea what we're talking about. I'm like, listen, just hit the button. Just hit the button. Yeah. Just hit we the John it. Cena button. That's fine. <laughs> That's right. So, all right, guys, we'll take it out. But uh, thanks for sticking around with us today. We'll see you next week. Yeah.